You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode out of the blank podcast. He's back again. It's the other brother, the brother with the best facial hair in the business. I don't know why (laughs) Rob doesn't have a beard, but Tristan, what is up? It has been a while. It has, man. I don't know why Rob doesn't have it either. We keep telling him to groom it and he's like, nah, I'll just shave it off. I'm like, come on, man. I (laughs) swear to God, all three of you guys are triplets or something. You guys look so similar. (laughs) Well, I guess that's why we're brothers now, right? (laughs) What, um, What has changed since the last time we talked? It's been over like a year and a half. Honestly, um, I changed jobs. What are you doing now? So prior to this, I was doing, what was I doing before? Wow, I've completely forgotten already. That's awesome. So I was doing banking and now I'm into superannuation, which would be, I don't know, like four savings for, if you want to put it like that. You, when you said that, I was like, I thought you were going to toss out like, I now work at like Walmart. It's like, hold on a second. Like, how do you go from banking to Walmart? It's like, do you work <laughs> at least in like the, the cashier department? It's like, no, I'm a box boy. It's like, dude, what the, f-? like you, we know those people in life that do one thing and then they completely start off like a side business. Steve Martin is the best example. Man was in movies, cheaper by the dozen, all these amazing movies, the jerk. And then next thing you know, he does comedy. Well, actually did comedy before he did movies. And then he just went off the map and then now I guess he kind of still does comedy, but he got really into playing the banjo and he's fucking great at doing the banjo. Really? Oh my God, dude. There's a special on Netflix with him and uh, Martin short. He plays the banjo and is the most beautiful thing I have ever heard in my entire life. Right. Okay. Maybe okay. there's just people that are destined to be like good at everything. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. That's so interesting. Steve Martin and the banjo. I don't think anyone can top that. Can you imagine jumping from like, you know, I just did Father of the Bride. I was hosting Saturday Night Live. Now I just feel like playing the banjo. That's just what I want to do. I look at that like someone out there is looking at them like, why the fuck does this person have all the talent and ability in the world? And I can't even know. I don't even know how to do origami. Like there are some people out there that can't fold a fucking napkin to save their life. (laughs) Well, that actually brings up a question. You know, when you eat dinner, right? And you have a napkin placed, Mm -hmm. are you a folder when you finish using it? Are you a scruncher? I don't have a napkin when I'm eating dinner. That's actually a very good point. Me, I have... I have a tissue box when we eat. So it's me, it's Dave, my mom. <laughs> Do I have a spoon, one for soup and one for cereal, then another smaller <laughs> one just to be pretentious? I don't know. <laughs> That's not my idea of rich. My idea of rich is like, I see if I ever had a lot, of, I think this is how me and Rob started off the last podcast we just did. Um, when you have enough money, See, that's how you guys are twins or triplets because you guys are thinking the exact same, which wills this into the conversation. Well, that's how it rolls, really. When like, you meet Dave? <laughs> if, I, if I was rich, I'd probably help a lot of people. Like, that's what Rob said, too. I would probably help a lot of people, like, especially friends. Like, we all know someone who's really good at something that just doesn't have the resources to be able to get their stuff out there, even though they should be way more popular than they are. My buddy Adam, who makes my shirt designs and stuff, dude, is a talented artist. I mean, comic, all that type of stuff. 
but he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And one of his posts went viral. He had a bunch of uh, the cartoon characters like sticking their middle finger up and then uh, fucking it went viral on Facebook because he was saying it to cancel culture. He's like, take your cancel culture, like Bugs Bunny, all these people. It went viral on like Facebook and everything. And they, he didn't have a Facebook profile, so he didn't get tagged in it. So this picture just got shared around and got millions of views and millions of shares and likes. And he didn't get any attention for it because and he was like, well, it's just the message. The message got out there. I was like, oh, my God, that would piss me off so bad. That's like being like you record and you write and produce this one song. And then they get a, they're like, we don't like the way you look. So we're going to make this person the face of your music. And you're like, but I'm the one creating it and singing it and writing it and doing all the work. He's getting all the credit. It's like, yeah. You see, that is like a very tricky conversation. Because in my head, as you're mentioning it, right, I'm like, all right, cool. So you should be able to, I guess, appreciate art. But at the same time, uh, I guess, separate yourself from like any association with it. And what I mean by association is just the, the whole cancel culture. Because when you think about it, that piece of art with all the cartoon characters pulling up their middle finger sounds fucking cool. Like that seems like something I would get on my t-shirt and just parade that. It's, a, awesome. it's a good thing of art and actually has a little bit of symbol to it, meaning to it too, especially with all these old stuff that's kind of being like, I get it, it's getting changed because we're in a new culture and stuff. But they're canceling shit that's not really being produced anymore. It's kind of like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, we already have that done. And it's like, well, success. It's like, what, what are you talking about right now? Like, it's just, know, right? it's interesting because I think when it comes to fame, a lot of people like the idea of it and they go, but then I wouldn't be able to go out in the public. I'm like, if you really want fame that bad to where you're the face of everything and then you shouldn't be worried about getting caught in public. That's kind of like the thing of the job. That's why Steve Martin stopped going out. He's like, I don't really need to go out to places. I'm tired of like everybody yeah. interrupting me at dinner. I was like, yeah. yeah. Just stay home. You have enough money to have to buy a restaurant in your house. I know, right? It's like uh, Mark Wahlberg has chefs that cook for him. And then he's got a gym in his own house. So he could just essentially live there forever if he wasn't an actor. He gained like 40 pounds for that role, though, where he's got like a dad bod. Have you seen that? Yeah. How crazy is that? Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm like, I don't think I would ever put my body through something like that. It's like Tom Hardy and al capone i want to see it so bad but everyone's like it's yeah. the worst fucking movie in the world i'm like imagine yeah. you gain 60 pounds to play a fucking role and then everyone calls it shit yeah it's like um what's that movie american hustle or something with christian bale and bradley cooper where but christian bale is known for just just dropping and gaining weight like crazy what about but he like about, he say, shaved about, his head um, machinist that was a yeah. shit everyone hates that movie but he literally got <laughs> to near death for that yeah what was it it was like i'll eat a can of tuna and a glass of scotch every day just to get down to what he was or something i eat a can of tuna every day actually i just eat one can of it and i had to work my way up i was doing nothing but like shakes so i did an experiment to myself i was like how much food okay. do you actually need so i just went down to eating a can of tuna a day and wow. i survive off of it had like how long did it take you to normalize? I never really ate a whole lot anyway. I always ate really small meals throughout the day because like just doing fitness and stuff like that. And then eventually I was just like, okay, well, I'm using a full can of tuna each small meal I make. What happens if I just split it? Like if I just took a half a scoop and then a quarter of a scoop and now I'm at like a quarter of a scoop and I'll eat three meals throughout the day, but I'll do a quarter scoop of tuna and then I'll mix it with like a, like a very small, very small, like one spoonful of rice and one spoonful of beans. And then that'll be my one meal. And I have three of those throughout the day. 
Huh, not bad. My, my strength is definitely going down. Jeez, I used to be able to like bench <laughs> them as two plates. Now I'm at like a plate and like I can do 10 on each side on top of the plate, but that's it. Wow. Okay. Now, quick question for you. Now, that that level of like eating where it's just like a spoonful of so-and-so, a spoonful of so-and-so, a spoonful of so-and-so, just times that by three each day. So let's say there's some radical change to the government all over the world. And they're just like, hey, this is all you can eat moving forward. Do you reckon the whole world could could sustain that like altogether? I think the way it's going to become is, is that eventually it's going to get, you have to make a certain amount of in, income to afford certain types of meals. And the only time you ever get that exceptional meal is if it's your birthday, like, like going out to eat. A lot of people only go out to eat on their birthday or when it's a special occasion. Like if it's some, it's really weird when someone dies afterwards, they're like, let's go go out to eat. It's like, why would you want to go out to eat? I want to fucking cry and eat like a fucking child in a room. That's what I want to do. I deal with my emotions. But everyone's like, let's go to the Outback. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't want to eat a blooming onion while I focus on my <laughs> dead loved one. Yeah. Well, as we were mentioning, you're like, you only get it on your birthday. I was like, we just completely described Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's what I'm saying. It's going to end up being like this thing where you only get steak if it's your birthday or if you make a certain amount of it's going to be for certain classes where eventually it's going to be like Snowpiercer where you're eating those bars of cockroaches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's 100% going to lead to that. I've been meaning to watch that again. I've been hanging to watch Snowpiercer again because I thought about the cockroach bars because we had like a random cockroach on our kitchen table and I was like, yep, clean that up, clean everything. I was like, fuck, Snowpiercer. See, is, it gonna, is it going to be cockroaches or is it maybe that's the reason why all the cicadas are going missing? You see, that's a very good point. The government found a way to put them into a bar. Now there's missing. Oh, it must be the weather. The cicadas aren't showing up. It's like, or is it the government that's taking all the cicadas and trying to find a way to implement a new food source? That's why it's so quiet nowadays. You can't hear the cicadas. We're calling it kimchi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Like, can you imagine finding out that it was cicadas? Like, like the cornstarch thing back in the day, like there was a thick, thick shake where the more you shook it, the thicker it got because of cornstarch. Now, can you imagine if they had something similar to that with cicadas? That's like AIDS candy back in the day. Yeah. There was a weight loss candy and they called it AIDS candy. And they, they, they completely stopped that after a while. They were like, oh, wait a minute. This is like really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. If they were still around now, they would be the ones getting canceled. It's I prefer a, cancel them over the cartoons. <laughs> AIDS candy. That's crazy. It's a laxative and it was a weight loss thing. And I was like, that's just so horrible. Like you're shitting your brains out over a candy that's called AIDS. Whatever happened to that? Is that like gone? I'm pretty sure it would be. Like, can you imagine the advertisements for that back in the day? Thanks, AIDS. Well, it's like, like when they found out Magic Johnson had it, everyone was like, oh, my God, he's going to die. And then, like, he's still here. And everyone's like, what? Yeah. How is how is, is he? What, what is it? Do we do we have a cure for it now? It's like, no, it's still out there. Just you have it and you're able to handle it better. I was like, did our genetics just fix it? Yeah. It's I don't know. Way. Like you'd expect like you've watched Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I expect. Like you just get really sick really easily and it takes you out. But then Magic Johnson's going for jogs. He's enjoying himself in the sunshine. There must be some kind of suppressant that you have to take as well. Well, why are some people allergic to poison ivy and some people aren't? 
maybe it's just like a genetic thing eventually after a while like mm-hmm. this is what creeped me out imagine if you were having a baby and you got covid would your baby inherit the ability to be able to beat covid like have the cure in his blood yo or would he be a carrier oh so it's like it's like if you raise a kid in a really bad neighborhood is he going to want to be better and overcome his bad neighborhood and be better than you know the life you know with the cars that he was given or is he just going to be a piece of shit because his life was a piece of shit (laughs) yes that's actually really good now with the covid thing I reckon that's why you have people who have a dormant because you know, there's people where they're um, asymptomatic. So they don't show the signs, but they do have it. Maybe it'll be like that. Kind of like there's like the three, uh, three out of four people have like herpes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I'd hope not because I, I want There's a lot of people that apparently have herpes that don't know they have herpes. Oh, so that would explain why you don't go to Vegas. <laughs> well, it's not just it's it's weird because people say like that, like I know uh, there was like four kids in my school that had it, and it was like at, at, okay it, that was just and they would just get like cold sores on their lips and they're like yeah but I I've had this since I was a kid and they find out they have herpes or something like that and I'm like so wait did you that's I thought that was like a sexually transmitted disease that like your dick falls off they're like no that's something that's gonorrhea. And I'm like, there's too many sexual <laughs> diseases. Why can't it just be fun to have sex and you have no recourse to it? Yeah. Your worst bet should be that you have to raise a kid. That should be the worst <laughs> thing possible out of it. Not that your dick falls uh, off. I mean, it would be cool to raise the kid, though. <laughs> it's like a little you running around. <laughs> That's the whole point of having a kid is it's a clone of yourself. Yeah, essentially. That's the best way of cloning. It. That's why people care about it so much. But if you had the choice between either cloning yourself or having a kid... What would you choose? Depends. What type of cl- what type of cloning are we talking about? Is it me like how I am right now, or is it going to be me as a baby and I have to raise it? Let's say a baby and you have to raise it. Well, then what stops you from wanting to hurt it? Because what, how many times do you want to like think about hurting yourself? Yeah, intrusive thoughts. Yeah, yeah I feel that. Well, maybe it'll be a good way. Ooh. Maybe this would be like, so you know how you have people who are very mentally ill and they have intrusive thoughts about suicide, things like that. There are some times I think about driving my car into a tree, sure. Yeah, (laughs) exactly right. Sometimes I think about when I'm cutting something off the tomato, I'm like, this would be so easy to finish this as well. That's, But see, that's an actual phenomenon that the French named. It's called call of the void. It's when you get to like a really tall building and you look off the end of it and you wonder what happens if you fell from here. That's call of the void. It's not necessarily that you're depressed. It's just a phenomenon that people get when they get to really tall buildings. Happens the same thing when you're driving and stuff like that too. Mm. Now, in the case that Uh, let's say you're very mentally ill, you have intrusive thoughts about suicide, things like that. And what if the medication was, we can clone you, have you as a child, and then you can raise it and it helps you to get away from your illness. What if there was something like that? That's pretty interesting to rate weight. So the kid would slowly help fix you like a dog would. Yeah. So it's almost like you use the clone of yourself and, and I guess, let it mature, but you teach the things that well, I guess there's some lessons you can't teach, but you try and teach it everything you can to help it avoid the illnesses that you have. I would probably just put them like I would leave them on a doorstep of like a Shaolin temple and then let him <laughs> be raised as a Shaolin monk for 20 something years. And then I'd have him come and teach me because the only person that can really teach you is you. 
The person that can teach you better than anybody is yourself. You teach yourself on a lot of things. Imagine your clone teaching you. It's easier to listen to yourself because you can be like, okay, all right, sure. Teach it how I, you know I would interpret. Yeah, that's actually really good. The yin and yang of yourself. Dude, imagine if they get like a uh, virtual reality so in tune that it finds out like the one thing you want. Like everyone says that like when they meet God, they see this or they see this. It's like whatever they want to see. Imagine they do that with your school and your teacher. You're able to learn better from a thing that you envision. So they just put like a, a figure and then the statue turns into whatever the hell you want it to be. So it could be fucking Brad Pitt teaching you like health class. Oh man, Brad Pitt teaching me health class would be the best thing as well. Like I would just have Tyler Durden kicking the shit out of me and teaching me stuff. Or you could have Raiden teach you gym or like Mortal Kombat fighting styles. Follow me to the gym and he does that fucking flying attack. You Get over me. here and just fucking <laughs> rips the fucking... I think that would be a better way to probably help kids learn a little bit more if they're able to like Especially like kids that like how many kids when you're a child and you have to go to school for the first time, you're so fucking nervous and scared because you've never been out of your own home. Like you've never been oh, not yeah. around your parents. So then what your parents like you, you think about calling them. You want to like go go back home like when you're in kindergarten or something. Now, imagine if the teacher was your dad. Mm. But then it would get a weird relationship because how many people don't have like a dad at home? And then that's the one person they want. And they actually get so where they never want to go home. They always want to stay at school because they get to see their dad because the dad's the teacher. Shit. Fuck, dude. We're thinking about every every awesome experience we're creating. We're also thinking of the bad side. This is good. I like this. This is how technology should be enveloped. There needs to be one person in the room. Like if we blow up the moon, it's going to be really, really bad. Yeah, it's going to be eternal bright. <laughs> But no, like, shit. That would be such a weird dynamic. Like, I see my dad at school, but not at home. So you would never want to go home. How would you How would you work out child custody then? Dude, you see my child Monday to Friday. <laughs> he's not, but he's not real. He's just a, he's a, he's a virtual reality thing. Whenever you put the virtual reality goggles on that one. And here's the weird part is then eventually you'd have to develop the virtual reality goggles. So the way that we have it based right now in technology, the way we've talked about it is that there's going to be a statue in the middle of the classroom and a bunch of kids sit down, they put these virtual reality goggles on and the statue turns into whatever the kids get to see, like won't want to see. So they could be learning from Pee Wee Herman or they could be learning from whoever that they saw on television, Yo Gabba Gabba, whatever the hell. And the statue just needs to be there in the room because it has sensors in it to be able to, you know, display or project the whatever images the kids need to see. But then eventually you'd have to develop the goggles to work without a statue or you'd have to let the kid take the fucking statue home like when they have a class pet because eventually the kid doesn't want to leave school because this is the only time he gets to see his dad and his dad died in a car accident before he was born. So this is the kid that gets to spend time with his dad and build a relationship by going to school, never wants to leave the school. Then eventually you have to send him home with these glasses after you've developed them for him to be able to put him on in his room and be able to see his dad anywhere so he can actually still spend time with his dad how many people would never want to take the glasses off yeah yeah i can see that i was thinking about it as well it would get to a point so let's say that's the beginning right at school you have this massive helmet statue and then it gets to the point where it's just contact lenses and it's all powered by the bioelectricity in your body so it's always on and then you can just go anywhere and learn anything and then you could picture that person 
we definitely stepped it up from the Viking one. Holy crap. Um, I know, right? <laughs> but imagine if you had those contact lenses, for instance, and you put them in your eyes, what would stop you from not having an over-realistic expectation of what your life could actually do? Like, imagine if a guy's like, well, I can do this in my video game. Why can't I do it in real life? This has been like, eventually you're so brainwashed to think that like, this is real. And people are like, who are you fucking talking to? You're like, you don't see the person right there. It's like, no. And you're like, what? And the, what happens if there's a virus in the machine? How long until someone hacks it? Next thing you know, they're hacking into your robotic lenses that let you know, hey, it's your dad telling you that your dad that you've known all your life now, you know, he died when you were little, but you don't know that you don't think it's real anymore because this is real. This is the person in front of you that you've known since you were a child. that's helped you get through school and taught you everything you need to learn to be an equipped member of society. And he tells you, hey, why don't you just step into the middle of the road? You're invincible. I'm telling you, you're invincible. And you get hit by a car die. You see, I feel like this is the the precursor for the matrix. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get hit by that car and then you're going to wake up out of that pod and you're just going to be in this just fucked up, dilapidated world in spaceships. Would you That's rather live in be. the matrix or would you la rather live in the Doctor Strange universe? Okay, that's a hard question. <laughs> uh, They're relatively ooh. the same thing, but some some of them have different perks to it. Yeah. So if I could become the Sorcerer Supreme, I would live in the strange universe if I could be that. But at the same time, if you just learned magic altogether and became a sorcerer and you didn't and you weren't that level, you could still like have some fun there. Well, you'd still be in on Earth, like doing everything that you possibly can, but you'd also be trying to keep the balance of the universe too. But if you go Very to the true. Matrix, you're in a fucking simulator where if a dude, you go to a coffee shop and everyone you know is just a program or part of the code. It's kind of like I Am Legend. After a while, he was by himself for so long, he started talking to those mannequins in the record store because he needed human interaction. But imagine you're trying to have a conversation with these simulation things, but they're programmed to act a certain way, so they really can't you know, can't sleep with them. You can't do any of that stuff because that's just not part of their thing. They're meant to be this background noise type thing. They're not meant to be an actual physical person. The Doctor Strange one, though, is you're still on Earth. You're still you're living your life, but you have Doctor Strange powers. So you know about the alternate realities. You know about all this type of cosmic things that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, very true. Very true. I feel like uh, <clears throat> I had this conversation recently because I watched. Um, do you remember House of Wax? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that again recently for the Rob first time. Six, yeah, 16 years since I watched that movie. And it weirdly holds up. But I'm just thinking about that, trying to, like, you were saying about I Am Legend, how he had all the mannequins, things like that, and, like, the video store, and he's trying to talk to people. And this guy is taking live bodies and just covering them in wax and rescaling them and making them look exactly the same. What if, like, all of this is all just simulation getting to the point of that? Okay, so you just led right into what my movie pitch was like 100 episodes ago. So I had a movie pitch for a Star Wars movie. Imagine the, during that giant battle when they're fighting the Death Star, and one of those ships crash landed on Hoth. They land on this giant ice planet. And they're walking around this ice planet, and they start seeing all these snowmen and all these snow statues of like giant yetis and people, like regular people, like clone troopers and stuff. And you're like, wow, someone's really creative. And you go up and you're like, well, I'm going to like, you know, take pictures with these fucking these statues of clone troopers. And you're taking pictures of these snowmen that are snow or uh, clone or snowmen of clone troopers. You're taking pictures with them. And then you go, that's so realistic. And you go to poke it and it doesn't go in like snow would. 
and you go, what? And then you move the snow and it's a frozen cl uh, clone trooper. And you realize there's a psychopath on this place that is killing people and freezing them in statues. So he has people to talk to because he's been here for 20 something years. That weirdly sounds like a Star Wars movie I'd watch. I'd I would watch that. I'm saying it's like a psychopath <laughs> movie. I would I would enjoy the shit out of that too. Like to have like a thriller Star Wars, man, it would be cool. Well, your mentality of when you finally hit that point where you get so alone, you start creating things to to talk to, like Tom Hanks and Castaway. It's like a zombie apocalypse is probably my biggest fear. As much as we like to have our alone time, eventually after a while, you're like, fuck, I need human interaction. I need something. Now imagine one day, Tristan, you wake up and everyone's just gone. And you go to log on to your internet. Internet's not working. You have no one to talk to. You're going to stores. You're driving around. There's just empty cars everywhere. You're in a fucking zombie apocalypse. And you have no one to talk to. Wouldn't you want to group up into a group? Or would you want to stay by yourself? I actually don't know. I would want to find people if it was just suddenly no people. Because when I wake up in the morning, I think about talking to my brother, talking to my mom, like it all becomes habitual at that point where if I don't have that and it's like the body shock, then I'm like, no, nah, I would need to find someone straight away. I get, I had a really intense dream and it's kind of scared me of the zombie apocalypse because I was, I think I was around the third season of the walking dead. So it was a while ago, but I had this dream that was so intense where I woke up from it and I was like, I would never survive a zombie apocalypse because just so much happened where imagine you're by yourself. You spend all this time being by yourself. It's kind of like the new zombie movie on Netflix with uh, Batista. Army of the Dead. Yeah. So when you're watching that, it's like the casino thing. You don't know going into it that this is going to be your last moment. You think you got an expert team with you that's going to help you survive and you're going to make it for as long as possible. And then what happens one day? They just like something happens. They run down a corner. One of them has to shoot you in the fucking foot. And you have to just die by they go and get out with their lives. You know, there's a moment where like you're looking for people in a zombie apocalypse, but wouldn't you just want to try and barricade yourself with as much supplies as possible and hope to God you never have to go out into the world and try and experience this type of thing. And then eventually after what, two years of being isolated, you just go, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to risk it. Then you go out to the store just to go experience the world again and you get fucking killed because you just can't is death more i guess appealing than just wasting away in a fucking shelter somewhere yeah shit see i don't know i've been having a lot of moments recently where it's just like um i visualize myself in a bar and it's packed but it's almost like i've never been to this bar before but i can describe the bar to you one for one so it's just like this bar is so far that you can't even see the end of it on the left side. And there's eight bartenders. And then there's all those circle tables with just normal sitting stools around them on the right side. And there's two rows of them all the way to the end. But then it's packed with people. I'm sitting down, enjoying myself, having a drink. And then altercations happen. And I'm looking around like, what the hell is trying? What is going on here? And maybe this is why I'm so into talking about the matrix as well. Cause I just simulate everything in my head and wonder what I'm going to react to. So it ends up being like, you know, a man and a woman having an argument and I end up fighting the dude. And I'm just like, what goes on from here? Like, do I get out? Do the police get me? Am I the one that gets charged? Is he the one that gets charged? 
And you start thinking of all those hypothetical avenues that could occur in this one place. And I'm worried that I'm going to find this bar in real life. <laughs> That's kind of how I am with every interaction I have in my everyday life. I have like multiple scenarios running into my head. Like imagine there's a scenario where you met this girl and you think she's amazing. Then you say, hey, how's it going? And then that just solidifies that word that you said, hey, how's it going? Just solidifies the relationship of being friends in an alternate timeline. And then there's a timeline where you're like, how are you doing? And then next thing you know, that leads into a relationship or something like that. And it goes down this timeline. It's like, how many things have you said that could have been something completely different that kind of might have changed your life for somehow just be so uniquely different? Mm. Just one word can change everything, huh? I feel like that's how it is a lot of times too. Like even that one day where you're like, cause all right. So I, I think this was like a year or so back. I had, I thought I had like, we get our schedules weekly. I got my schedule like at the beginning of the week. And I thought I was going to work this one day next week. And it turns out I like that whole entire time leading up to that day, I was, you know, knowing I had to work this day. I was like, well, here's my day that I got work. And then, you know, I went to bed early the night before, did my shower, did everything like that, got ready for work. I go headed into work. I get there and someone else is there. And I'm like, what? I thought I was working. And they go, no, you're off today. And I'm like, and I look, I was off today. I guess I got it mixed up into my head. So I'm like, what do I do? Do you want me to work? It's like, I'm here to work. It's like, no, it's your day off. You can go do whatever you want. I was not planning on having a day off, but now I could do whatever I wanted. I ended up going to the store, getting some groceries and stuff like that. And I almost, I literally almost witnessed a person, uh, not almost witnessed, but I witnessed um, a person almost get hit by a car. So miss the person, it hit another car. And I'm like, was I meant to under was I meant to experience this moment or was this just a, a thing, a part of the thing that where I just got like a glitch in the system, something happened that shouldn't have happened where I thought I was working. I should have been working. And next thing you know, this happened. Yeah. Shit. See, that's like some weird sort of like, I don't know the word for it, but when you're just meant to be at the right place at the right time, it's kind of like a coincidence kind of. Yeah. Or like something meant like to that. be fate. Yeah. Fate meant to be i don't know like the word that's yeah kismet like i don't know <laughs> boondoggle um <laughs> but everyone has a different description of what time is and it's funny because i was talking about this with rob about dimensions they've been able to discover other dimensions they built a particle accelerator like a couple of years ago and they actually shut it down because people's biggest fear was that it was going to open up a hole into another dimension well now we're starting to research other dimensions so i'm wondering when i say the word dimension what does that mean to you because in my explanation of it i'd like to think of it as like another ultimate universe or another timeline in a way but people go no that's different a dimension is kind of like Doctor Strange kind of where things start unlocking and moving around and it's not really like you understand the third dimension what happens if there's a fourth dimension or there's something like that it's still the same universe same earth but it's just there's another part to it that your mind hasn't been able to perceive yet. Yeah, definitely. So when I'm thinking about dimension. I'm thinking like I'm just going to walk through something like Doctor Strange where it's an invisible wall, but it's something like the Simpsons where raining is just donuts falling from the sky or something like that. So that's what I'm picturing mm -hmm. where there's something that you can, where you something that you perceive as normal is different in here and it freaks you out. Like what if um, there's a dimension where you could never grow a beard or you could never grow hair in general. What if you're just like a grown smooth person all your life? I think my beard's gotten thicker since the last time you were on. 
Mine is, uh, I need to trim mine. <laughs> you definitely changed whatever room you're podcasting in. Uh, uh, so Rob and I don't live together. So this is just me and my room. I'll say last time I podcasted with you, there was no door that was right there. Yeah. I've changed the angle of my camera. So I, um, I stream on Twitch as well. So look at I've that a bit memory, of bro. Look at that memory. It's very good. You're a Twitch streamer. What do you play? Uh, mostly destiny two and rainbow six Siege. Do you think that that was a part of this, that you were supposed to do that? Or is this just something that somehow, like what happened the day you decided you wanted to do Twitch streaming? Um, I was having a conversation about it with a mate and he was like, I reckon you could do it. You enjoy talking something like this. And I was like, yeah, cool. Why don't I just add gameplay to the background of that? So literally. Well, I was say, was this, was this around the time that you were leaving your old job and going into your new one or looking for a job? Um, so I started streaming shit. When did I start streaming? 2015. So it's been about six years. Okay. So wow. I was a year into a new role in the same business. And yeah, my mate was just like, you seem to like talking. So why don't you just do that? And now my streams have evolved from me just playing games to literally something like you and I, where it's just me on screen and I just interact with chat and talk about whatever subject comes up and then go from there. Do you think that the new job, the couple of months you were starting to go into it, you were starting to not really like it as much where you were looking for other options to try and have fun and make a little bit of money or something like that. And then someone brought up to the idea that you could be a Twitch streamer. You decided to hop on that and enjoy that doing that. Oh yeah. If we're being direct about it, I thought I'd be able to stream for the rest of my life and not have to work. Like that was the plan. So just stream, get money from that and then just live my dreams. See, there we go. We talk about something that happens, a cause and effect. The fact that you got a new position and you kind of look at it like we see all these people. The fact that the internet shows you all these reaction YouTube videos or a podcast video. You decide that you might want to be able to do this and it opens up a new gateway into another timeline. That's why I look at it like I'm 23. I don't, I'm seeing a lot of people, like my podcast is as old as a relationship where they just got married and now they're having a kid. And I'm like, what timeline would I be on if this podcast was a relationship? If I spent all this time every single day doing this into another relationship, would I be farther than where I'm at right now? Or is where I'm at right now on the right track? Because for some reason, I've talked to tarot card readers, and I'm not a big tarot guy, but everything the dude said has came true. Everything, except a couple of things that haven't fucking happened yet. But everything to a T, he goes, um, what do you say? He said that November was going to be one of the hardest months for me which it was um, like mentally and emotionally, I would say probably. And then he goes, tell your brother to go get his prostate checked. And I was like, what? And my brother did. And then he actually had to get a colonoscopy because he had polyps. That was out of nowhere. Like I just told him to go to the hospital and ask his doctor about that. And they ran him through a test and they caught that early. Like that was lucky as shit. That could have been a big problem all because of the tarot card reader. Then he goes in 2024, your podcast is going to like hit this new, you're going to be trending or you're going to be something like that. And I'm like, he's like, so stick with it. But he also said that someone's going to come up to me with a financial, like a plan, like a giant, like money scheme. And he goes, don't spend your money in it. It's going to, it's going to fail. Keep your money. And I'm like, man, I'm waiting for that one person to offer me up an opportunity to get into like buy Bitcoin. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh shit, it just crashes. And I'm like, 
right now, what I'm on right now, I've never felt like, I just feel like there's a payout coming. I don't know what it is for. I don't know if it's about the podcast, probably not, but it's probably about something, but something's going to hit my way where I'm like, I feel like I'm in the right moment. I don't know what that is, but it's like a timeline type thing. Like you ever feel like it goes into the alien things I was talking about with Rob is that like, sometimes people talk about projecting. They think that aliens are trying to help is like how me and Rob kind of think of it. Like they're trying to help the human race if they're going to come here. And it's like, wouldn't it be easier for them to project things to make you happier as a person into your dreams, like things that you want to do, things that can help you make guy get successful and get a turnaround into your life so you can have happier people and hopefully be more open when aliens do come down here? Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I can see it happening for real. Like, uh, what if there, what if there's a point in time where everyone's sleeping for at least a minute all at the same time? Like, can you imagine if there was a period of time where everyone was asleep for at least a minute? Like, even if it's just like a daydream, like if there was just a moment like that. And in that moment, the aliens had projected something into our brain just to help us moving forward with our life. If they had that kind of technology where everywhere in the world, they just like zip zapped something and it just helped us moving forward couldn't could have been instantaneous it could have been 10 years from now but they've put something into us that's going to benefit us in the long run or the short run for a minute yeah let's say in that minute like every day they just help us to actually realize that it'd be a strong fucking ad if you can get someone to every the whole entire world to come together in one minute has to be a fucking (laughs) one of those ads that you see that brings a tear to your eye when it's like a kid whose dad just got hit by a car and he had to put on contact lenses his whole entire life. I'm just kidding. But it's like that, uh, (laughs) that scene from that movie pet cemetery where the little boy runs out into the road and you just see the fucking shoe. That moment got everybody. Yeah. Look, and you hear the father screaming no in the back of that as well. I was a child and I saw that and I cried. Now, Pet Cemetery has two memories for me. It's that, and then it's um, when the yeah. the farmer goes the Achilles heel, the Achilles tendon. Oh, that's how you remember. See, I have two memories of that. One, the one that freaked my brother out the most was when that lady, the sister, was dying of that illness, and she was laying on the bed, and she goes <gasps> like that on the bed because she's dying yeah, of like some yeah. spine disease or something. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. that scared the crap <laughs> out of me. I, oh, I don't man. remember the Achilles heel thing. Yeah, so um, he he walks by the bed, and this is after they've resurrected the kid, and the kid gets a scalpel and just cuts through his Achilles tendon, and you see it. Yeah. <coughs> Damn. Yeah. That but, stuff freaks me out when it's like that, man, because there are sometimes I cut, like, you ever, like, see someone, like, they slice, like, the inner part of their finger, or they do something where it's, like, just it's just so cringe. Yeah. I've got a story about that, actually. What, so, no, not my finger, but so we you were at sport. Dick. No, not this time, actually. That happened a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we were at a sports day and you know how ping pong tables, majority of them fold in two like that, right? And then you can just roll them away, stack them away. So we were stacking all of them away and one of them falls flat and this kid was standing in front of it and it almost shaved like from his calf down to his like the back of his heel. And it was just flat and it was white. And then it just started bleeding. Had to send him to hospital. What's the worst injury you've ever had? The worst injury I've ever had? Oh. Collapsed lung 2012. What the? F- Why did it take you that long to fucking think of that? 
because <laughs> I was thinking about when I fractured my wrist and then, yeah, it was just a wrist fracture, really. I had to go between the two. <laughs> okay, go go to the collapse line. What happened with that? Uh, so I was just really sick at the time. And because I'm six foot four, the pressure difference between the top and bottom of my lung is very drastic. And because I had something wrong with my lungs at the time when I was sick, the pleural wall just split. And I started feeling this intense pain when I was walking home, got home, lit up a cigarette, took a drag, and it just hurt. I'm sorry. Yeah. If your lung hurts, the first thing you do is go for a cigarette. Like maybe you're going <laughs> through an addiction withdrawal. <laughs> well, maybe I thought just, uh, maybe I'm just out of breath. Cause I don't really practice cardio all the time or exercise on a regular basis. I was like, maybe it's just that. Cause I did run up that hill and then do like a little jump. Like when Anchorman, they go to buy new slacks and they do that little, yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so what happened hurt? with that though? Uh, so I felt the intense pain and then it started getting worse, called up a paramedic. They came through and they checked the, the side of my chest and they were like, we can't hear your lung at all. And so at that point, I'm already freaking out. I'm trying to control my breathing. They take me to the hospital, find out my lungs collapsed and it's collapsing inwards and it's pushing on my heart. And they're like, it's almost to the point where it's going to crush everything. So they have to do this emergency keyhole surgery in the side. I've still got the scar for it. And they stick this tube in you that's called a pigtail. Now, the reason why they call it a pigtail is because it's maybe, let's say about half the size of a penny. And it goes in. And then because it's in there for about a week, maybe two weeks, when they pull it out, and I'll tell you about when they pull it out as well, it curls up like a pigtail when it comes out because of the heat inside your body. Now, they don't like surgically remove it or anything. They just put their hand and apply pressure and they say, take a deep breath. And then they just rip. It's almost like you're starting a Beyblade when they pull this thing out. Like, and it just comes out curly like that. Let it rip. And they <laughs> That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah. So I was in hospital for a month for that in 2012. And then I quit smoking for about two, three years, started smoking again, and then started vaping in, 2018 or 17 yeah damn man i've never had anything like that surgeries that de i'm deathly afraid of like if they just go you're gonna need a new heart i'm like all right well i've lived a long enough life yeah <laughs> it's funny my grandfather just went in for a pacemaker removal like the replacement pacemaker to move remove it yeah take it out and then put a new one in oh, okay like he's had like a pacemaker your heart got stronger. It's like, we don't need you to have a pacemaker anymore. <laughs> I wish, man. I wish. But yeah, because he's got dementia, they had to do it with like local anesthesia or something like that. And then it was just open heart surgery, replace the pacemaker, put it back in. But because of the local anesthesia and dementia, it affects you. So they've just been keeping an eye on him. And it's been like just learning about that medical stuff and then learning about hearing aid batteries at the same time as well, because he needs to get them replaced. Did you know they sell hearing aid batteries at Costco of all places? Like you can just walk in and say, I need a size nine. <laughs> you can probably see a CVS for too. There are so many like batteries that like they're like the really small circular ones where I'm like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh, this goes in certain electronics, like a Furby. I'm like, so you have specific batteries for a, from, for a Furby, not just any Furby. The collector's edition from 2004 uses different batteries from the collector's edition from 2002. I'm like, no shit, really? <laughs> Tell me more about Furbies. <laughs> I've probably had like three near-death experiences. And then I think my worst injury, though, I don't know, man. Maybe 
I got stitches on Father's Day, but that was a, my broken arm was pretty bad, mostly because I think the pain the night afterwards is like the most excruciating thing. Because this happened when I was like 14 years old. No, way before I was 14. I think I was probably like 10 or 11 when I broke my arm. So I was on a trampoline and I have an older brother. Um, and they, they decided, hey, the trampoline had no net. So he's like, I hop on it and he's like, you know, it'd be cool if we put the sprinkler under the trampoline and see if it shot up through the thing. And it's not one of those, like the ones, the sprinklers, the kids run through. It's like a fucking one you use for your lawn that shoots on golf courses to hit like a way out in the back. So it hits hard as shit. Um, it can like take paint off a wall and he put it under the trampoline and the thing started shooting me in the face, in the eyes. And I would went to move and my brother would turn it as like a, at, like playing around. He didn't want me to get hurt. And I went and I stepped and I jumped back and I fell off the trampoline. And the way I fell was my arm was twisted and it went and I oh. cracked and landed right on it. And I was so little. And I was like, my, my, if my brother hit me, I would start like crying or something just to get him to stop. And uh, cause he's older than me by like four years. So he's bigger. Big, it's always better when you're the older brother, you beat the shit out of the little one. Um, especially cause you're, you're basically a God. It's like going into a kindergarten class. If none of those kids listen to you, you just fucking make them it's weird though because they'll deadweight themselves you like go to like pick up a toddler to get them to stop yelling and they'll just deadweight and you're like god damn it like fucking work with me i'm trying to get you to to nap time he's just <laughs> deadweighting himself um but i remember i broke my arm and i was like i was freaking out like screaming and i was at my neighbor's house because he was my age and my brother was there too and he just was looking at me. He just goes, get up. You're faking it. So I was crawling back to my house a whole street away. So like a, a good, like a good long fucking walk back to the house. And I'm crawling across the lawns, trying to get home, like army crawling. Cause my arm hurts so bad. I couldn't stand up. The pain was too much. I'm a little fucking kid, man. And he's like kicking me, telling me like, get up. <laughs> You're faking it. Get up. And I run into the house and my dad had literally just got home from work. And he just looks over at me. He goes, oh, my God. And I'm like, what? And I didn't notice because I was too busy holding my arm and keeping my head up that my arm was like just rubber, like Harry Potter, where they his arms like flop around. Oh, shit. And my dad's like, holy shit. And then he just grabs his sock off his foot and puts it over my whole entire arm and drives me to the hospital. And the whole thing I remember from this was when we're driving there, he goes, just look out the window. We're playing I spy. And I, we would point out all the things that you would see like so keep my mind off of my arm hurting and we did that the whole trip and i remember seeing shoes tied up and thrown onto a power line and that was the first time i've ever seen that and i'm like i and i ended up researching what that meant when i got older in high school i was just looking through like wikipedia and i found that shoe tossing is what it's called and it actually is a sign that there's a local drug dealer in that area yeah and it's like yeah i yeah. didn't know any of that type of stuff so i thought that was interesting that's where my mind went when i thought of that but Hmm. that and then stitches on father's day was probably like my two worst injuries besides the near death stuff. Holy shit, man. I haven't broken anything like knock on wood. I've fractured a wrist and that's about it. I was going down a hill too fast. I came off my scooter, smacked my wrist into one of those stone post boxes. And that was it for me. Yeah. See, this is why I say, I don't know if it was the growing pains because I was so little when I broke my arm. The most pain of the whole entire incident was the night of where like I had to go to bed after that whole entire getting the cast and everything. 
my arm felt like it was pulsating and it felt like, you know, when your bones are growing, it hurts really bad yeah. like the inner part of your bone. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of the broken arm or that I was growing still. And my arm was just yeah. fucking ripping dude. And I was like, Oh, I couldn't yeah. sleep, man. I had to like, yeah. it was tossing and turning all. It's like a night when you get no sleep and you're fucking tossing and turning. Like, why can't I get to sleep? And it's like, that was the worst thing of the whole entire experience. Yeah. Not even breaking the arm. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, it, well, how old were you? Like 10, 11? Yeah, 10 or 11. So, yeah, I would say growing pains because that bloody HGH is just surging through you. So it's probably trying to fix everything so quick. But at the same time, because you're still growing, it's like adding new stuff to it as well. It's like restitching a fucking arm for a teddy bear back. I do remember the doctor telling my mom off to the side because my mom ended up meeting us at the hospital. She was like, the doctor goes, make sure that he doesn't have his arm in like a bad spot or anything when he sleeps because he's still growing. So like you can have it deformed at that young of an age. It's kind of like when I was born, I had a lazy eye. Like my one eye was off to the side, like a lot. And the doctor just takes his finger and pushes my eye like straight. And my dad just goes, what the fuck? And I go, Jesus. I told when he told me the story later, I go, well, did you not say anything to the doctor? He goes, what the hell was I supposed to do? He fixed your eye. I can't be like, don't do that again. Like, what the fuck? It's, it's one of those things. I was like, yeah, it's true, man. He did fix my eye. But at the same time, and I didn't know that was a common thing. I brought it up in a podcast and a guest told me, yeah, she had to take her son who was like five years old to the, uh, the doctor and the, his eye just starts to wander over and the doctor pushed his eye back. And she was like, yeah, it's a common thing. It's a muscle in your eye is why that your eyes are like that. And some people are born with a very weak eye muscle. So that's how they yeah. strengthen it. Like they'll put an eye patch over it or something, but that's how they strengthen it is by like, sometimes it's a little weak. You got to push it back. I'm like, damn, this is nuts. The human body's crazy. Yeah. Damn. Eye patch as well. You could literally be a pirate for a little bit. That's fucking cool. Our fucking lawmaker in the States over here has an eye patch. He looks like a James Bond villain. I'm like, who the fuck's electing these people? It's not us. There's no fucking way. <laughs> oh, man. Does he have like the, the cat as well? Does he flip around in the chair when he talks to you? <laughs> Do you have your phone on you? I was say, look up Crenshaw. His last name's Crenshaw, I think. And you see a picture yeah. of this guy and you're like, oh, my God, that guy looks like a James Bond villain. <laughs> Where am I looking up Crenshaw? Just look Just up on Twitter. Look up American lawmaker Crenshaw or American governor Crenshaw. American governor Crenshaw. American governor Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw? Did he pop up? He's the only guy with an eye patch. Holy shit. He's got an eye patch. You see it? Yeah, he was like at a ex special forces or something like that, which makes it better that he has an eye patch. But it's just crazy that that guy's like you see him on TV. You're like, where the fuck are, are we in a James Bond flick? Right. Like at this point in time, guys, are ex Navy SEAL, he's got an eye patch like he's literally the next person in line to play Solid Snake in a Metal Gear Solid movie. Like that's how it has to be. If you start seeing a person that's elected and they have like a robotic arm, I'm fucking leaving this place. I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore at that point. I'm like, this is just crazy. Like, people wonder like Bernie Madoff. Oh, I had no idea he was going to run off with all of our money. I'm like, his last name is fucking Madoff. Madoff with all that money. <laughs> the one dude, Lyndon Johnson, they call it showing your Johnson. That's because of him because he would take his pants off and show people his crotch. I'm like, guys, it's in his fucking name. Like if they elect someone else, like going to steal all your money. First of all, let's not elect that guy because his name is going to and his last name is steal your money. He's obviously going to steal our money. 
And you know his line in there is going to make a joke about it and then people are going to elect him because of the joke because they think, oh, he's such a great guy. He's not going to do that. Give it two years. There's only been one person I know that's been had a huge scandal against him and they still got re, they still reelected him to do his position. And that's Marion Barry. He was the mayor of D.C. and he got caught smoking crack on film and they fucking reelected him. The fuck? They reelected him. Fucking what? <laughs> his interview skills were amazing. They go, we so they caught you smoking crack. He goes, nobody knows what was in that pipe. And I was like, that's like saying you did it without saying you did it. Yep. Yep. No, no, he's right. He, he was good at right. his job. Yeah. He Man fucking, had a silver tongue. He fixed the homeless issue that was going on back then. He fixed so much shit where everyone's like, gotta reelect him. I don't care if you smoke crack. If you do crack and you're good at your job, I don't have any problems with you. Yeah, that's a good point. If you can regulate and it doesn't affect anything outside of like, you know, working full time. Cool. Well, apparently a lot of the drugs that we have, like heroin and all this stuff, the reason why it's so bad and so like corrupting is because it's all like produced through like chemicals and shit. If it's like the natural way of doing it, it's actually not that bad for you. It's like kind of like psychedelics, for instance. It's now becoming very legal. We talked about it with the Vikings, the fly algaric mushrooms and stuff. It's it. If you look throughout our history, not even Native American history, there's peyote. If you look through any of these old religions, it's a lot more influenced than they lead on and out, out in the history books. It's kind of like they don't teach you these types of things because it seems like the way that we look at it now is kind of stigmatized. And now psychedelics are being like re-looked at. But the issue is, is that the government's trying to find a way to tax it and also try and find a way to like put their hand in it. And I'm like, if you do that, then it's going to turn into something bad. You should just keep it natural. But it's so hard because when money's involved, you got to find a way. Way to tax that shit yeah exactly right so from what i've been hearing is that um with uh dmt or whatever it is uh, with soldiers who experience severe bouts of ptsd and things like that you can rewire your brain so you can stop that from happening and also that with all the drugs that we ingest if we are taking illicit drugs at this point in time um, if you can regulate it as in like, you know, the exact amount or dosage that you need to take on a daily or even weekly basis, it's actually healthy for you. Well, there's a, there's a doctor who's a heroin addict Yeah, and Dr. he functions. Yeah. Well, he's not a heroin addict. I th- if we're talking about the same guy who's on a Joe Rogan podcast talking about yeah, drugs. Yeah. yeah that's Dr. Yeah. Carl Hunt. I've, he, look, I went to school for chemical dependency because I lost a lot of friends to opioid addiction. And then the way I learned it. And the way I've experienced it has been drugs are horrible. And then you start hearing him talk about it. And the fact that I'm able to put down everything that I've learned, my own perspective and experience with losing people and people being addicted to these drugs, I'm able to put it down and really look at like, maybe all drugs aren't that bad. So that's a big step. And that's what it should be like. So many people are so confined to this idea of thinking where they're like, don't eliminate the possibility that there's another perspective on it. That's like the most important thing that I've learned through this. And it's like, it's interesting because how long until they're able to like, have you ever heard of like um, the nocebo effect? No, no. The, the, the placebo effects, I give you a sugar pill, you take the pill and you, it feels like you're doing the medical stuff. Well, there's a thing called the nocebo effect, which is like somebody tells you you have something and you don't and your body starts experiencing symptoms of that. So they found in like 
autopsy studies, people that have been diagnosed with severe stage four cancer, and then finding out that in the autopsy, the cancer was benign, but their body started going through the symptoms of having stage four cancer because of the fact they thought that they had stage four cancer. So it's like my doctor at one point when I'm dealing with my digestive stuff, I'm still kind of dealing with, I ended up winning against John Hopkins who shout out to me. That's like David versus Goliath. But so what happened was they told me at one point, the only time you ever get to see this is one of three things. One is this one is this. And then they always say one is like this. And it's like a cancer. And you're like, what? And like, but that's a rare case. But just putting that into my head, they told me I had stomach cancer fucking got to me where for a week I was like, fuck, man, I was all messed up. And then it turns out it wasn't that. But that's the issue is like, I think doctors, obviously, it's very hard to be able to pinpoint it to one thing about you that's wrong when there's so many working cogs that could be wrong, like especially if you have a nerve issue in your fucking brain or back, there's billions of fucking nerves. And it's so fucking hard to be able to pinpoint it down to just one of them being off rather than a couple of them, you know, like getting hit with a baseball and it damages some nerves. There could be just be one, not hundreds. So you got to find a needle in a haystack. But they also should be careful with how they diagnose some things too, because a lot of them just toss out something. If that gets imprinted into your mind, you get the nocebo effect where you start thinking you have cancer, then eventually you start dying because you're you think you have cancer and really you don't. That's a fucking that's a mind fucking its own, man. It's like you create your own perceptive reality that you are now going through cancer. Your hair starts falling out. Next thing you know, people are like, What's wrong with you? You're like, I have cancer. You're like, are you sure? And then they end up finding out your friends after you die that you didn't have cancer, but somehow you experienced all the symptoms of it just because some person misdiagnosed you. Yeah. It's unreal, man. See, mind fuck. I never knew it could get to that level because um, I guess the best way with working, I've been working corporate for so long um, and I've had my fair share of contact centers where you just speak to clients over the phone that you never sort of, um, it's one of your biggest strengths in a contact center, which is emotional intelligence where you can, someone says, I'm upset. And then you can relate to that and you feel that and you go from there. But then sometimes I have moments where I'll talk to friends and they won't be feeling so good. And then you start almost taking on that emotion and then you don't feel so good. And then it builds up inside of you. And then you have bad days where you just don't feel right, even though you've been fucking right as rain for the longest time that's what I call an energy exchange. Like with this, there are some podcasts, like I've had one probably out throughout the 800 where I've actually got brought to tears. And that was over. Um, a guy was telling me a story about how he was like, he would play Xbox with this kid and this kid, his mom, like he ended up like knowing this kid for a long time. Like I'm friends. I think episode 101 of mine is a guy that I've been friends with for 10 years on fucking Xbox live. And I've never met him. It's like those Facebook videos where you see the guys finally meet. Friends with him on Facebook. I know what he looks like. I know his family. I, you know, I was there when his mom passed away and everything like that. He's a really good dude. Shout out to Kelly. He's getting married. I got an invite to the wedding. It's the first time I'm going to fucking see him. It's like, oh God, hey. like it's fucking nuts. Do you don't know the connections you meet, but it's an energy exchange. You know, when you have a conversation with someone like that, you know, me and you having a conversation, it's a fun conversation. It's in, it can be serious too. But then afterwards you feel kind of good. Like I had a good conversation. It was a good chat, but then you have somewhere you find out a dude's house just burned down and then you start sucking off some of their horrible energy that's happening because they're going through so much. It's not that they're giving off like mean vibes is that they're giving off a sad feel that puts this lull to your energy too. It brings it, it drains a little bit because you're trying to also share some of your energy with them and cheer them up at the same time, help them through what they're going through. 
but yeah, the, yeah. the 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 whole entire nocebo thing is like imagine someone tells you that you you're, you're like this is what i talked about with um ancient historians when they start talking about like all these philosophers back in the day imagine yeah. if you're born and your parents tell you that you're the long descendant of an ancient line of inventors how many of those thoughts are your own thoughts now? You're now trying to create shit in your fucking room, write up drawings and sketches because you have this unrealistic expectation, this impossible fake scenario that's been in your mind that you are going to be the descendant of great inventors and you have to live up to that expectation. Mm -hmm. You see, that's what would lead to chronic anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to become what I need to become. Yeah, exactly right. I'm not as good as people think I am. Start going from there. Shit. You see, you fell one thing and then you just fucking just down the rabbit hole. But no, maybe that's how like back in the day, ancient Romans, all that kept their lineage so strong because they taught them such strong beliefs and pushed them to that point where they could believe it themselves. Well, it's also the type of confidence back then. Religion was so big. Imagine if some, if you go and you're about to go into war and you go Aries, God of war, I need you to fucking watch over me on this battle. Ares is on our side. Immediately, you're going to have this more than normal confidence level because you think the god of war is protecting you over battle. You're going to feel like you're invincible and do things with such – it's like telling a kid like, hey, like, you know, every, just picture everyone in their underwear. You're trying to morph your reality to fit this that's actually going to give you better confidence. Like when I put on sunglasses, I have immediate confidence. I just feel like I can do whatever the fuck I want to do. It's like Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Julian, where'd you go, Julian? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, for me, um, I translate that into video games. I fucking love video games, man. Like, for example, with Rainbow Six Siege, you have your competitive play playlist and then you have a casual playlist. Competitive, you have to do 10 ranked placements to actually get your rank. And that's your rank for the season. And you can try grow it by winning more games, right? In those tanked rank 10 ranked placements, I can't speak today, apparently. Um, I am my most nervous and I start playing shit in the first five and better in the next five, but it's all dependent on the teammates that I have as well. So I'll try and surround myself with people that'll keep me feeling normal and feeling better so that I can keep going, moving forward. You know, you have like reassuring people where they're like, you're really good at what you do, but you just don't believe them. And that's the point I get to where I need to sort of, you need to like believe yourself in those points and have that confidence then once you do you start getting cocky and then you start pushing more and you start doing more things and actually winning rather than losing because you're too like scared it's also like insertion destroy when you're the last one alive and everybody you know is screaming and counting on you to make sure that you can win yeah kill all six of the other enemies you're like oh fuck i got too <laughs> much pressure on me yeah oh man black ops three days for me that was search and destroy that's Trying why people jumped through. off the cliff and shit because they got too much pressure and anxiety they're like <laughs> fuck it Oh man, we still get that in Siege. Like you'll see like one versus five come up and then it's just so-and-so has left the game <laughs> and then it's just round lost. All those kids with anxiety attacks. That's got to happen more now <laughs> where a person just like, I feel like rage quitting back in the day was like people had to get to like an extreme point. Now it's like as soon as someone gets killed, like, nope, not doing this. And they just fucking quit out of it. Yeah. Oh no, we're throwing and then you just leave. It happens all the time because they know that the player, the, the lobby will get filled again. So I they're just, just like, well, I just stick to Minecraft or civilization games where I can play by myself and not have to worry about other people fucking me up. Oh man, I just got Civ 6. I'm going to start playing that soon. 
Okay, I'm on Minecraft right now, big time. <laughs> you get Minecraft full play because I'm just I, what I did was I always like to play like creative mode and I like to build a castle on top of a mountain near a village. Yeah. And then I like yeah. to go down and build stuff for the village, like a farm and everything like that. And then I when I get really bored with it, I just spawn like billions of birds to where the game just crashes. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Now, when when have you ever gotten to that point in Minecraft where you just build what you think is what life is intended to be? Like play God? Almost, yeah. I put lava on a mountain and have it crush a whole entire village before, yes. Okay, so we've relived Pompeii. I did try to. (laughs) I spawned villagers too. That was the worst part. I was like, I'm going to make sure I fucking... I spawned a few outside of it. Like, Imagine if Pompeii just happened and you see your whole entire town get crushed and you went out to go get berries and it's not what you wanted to do, but you drew the short straw and you come back and you see your whole entire civilization get blown away and you see this giant wall of smoke coming to your fucking face and you're just like, oh my god, you hide behind a rock and you survive. Do you want to survive or do you want to die because your whole family is now gone, your loved one, everything? Yeah. I guess it depends on the person. Like, would you be scared, like stiff that you can't move and you can't make that decision? Or would you be tempered enough to be like, I can make the choice right now between living or dying? Because some people can be scared into living if you want to put it like that. I see. I don't know. I feel like it's the, the one person that survived the Pompeii volcano ended up dying by not by the volcano, but died by a giant brick of marble falling on him. Okay. So there's like during the Pompeii incident, a bunch of people, they have statues of people that are solidified in ash, like in positions so of like trying to stop the blast from coming, like with their hands up, blocking their face. Um, a, a famous one is a mother that was protecting her child and had her child in her arms holding the, the things back and it just solidified her in ash. Um, and it's like a statue. They have like mummies basically. But there was one uh, a guy and there's a picture of him. His legs look like they're just pointed out of the ground. Like someone punched him into the earth and it's a giant marble brick that just fell on him. Cause during the explosion, a giant piece of like whatever rock flew up in the air. And I guess he was outside of the volcanic, like the ash and the lava part. And it fucking crushed him into the ground where his legs were just sticking out. And I was like, imagine that you see this volcano thing happen. You're like, thank God I'm out of the town. And then this fucking rock. It's almost like, like we were saying before about fate or being at the right place, the right time. It just needed to happen. Yeah, no mercy. <laughs> a volcano new. Volcano wins. <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> well, look, Tristan, you've given me enough of your time, man. Is there a place where people can find the Smoke and Mirrors podcast? Uh, you can find us on Spreaker's our main distribution point. You can find us on YouTube. We do videos as well. Spotify, everywhere else. Major, I guess, streaming services, audio. What about the Twitch? Uh, so you can find me at twitch.tv slash the love movement. All one word, spelled correctly. Yeah, I like that. Do you try and start like a nonprofit where it's all about give a give a love, get a love? You know what's funny? I've actually thought about um, standing outside with a free hug sign, but then you need a busking permit for that, so I couldn't do it. (laughs) Or you could just make the sign and make that your profile picture. Like have it you standing outside and just get robbed or take a photo of you across the street with a love sign. So then it's like the love movement. So then people would, that's how you get followers is that you, people think that you're like this giant love thing. And you're really just a Twitch streamer. And people are like, well, I didn't ju-. It's all right. So there's a weird thing going on the internet right now. So you ever follow a page and then you look and you see like, why the hell is this like a month later or something? You're like, why am I following Trump sucks page? Like, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember following anything political, dude. 
these pages, I followed a Simpsons podcast page. It had like, like nine, 90,000 something followers. And I was like, I love the fucking Simpsons. You find something that it can relate to a lot of people. Dude, a month later, I was following a page like Trump sucks. And I was like, I don't remember following anything political on my Instagram. The dude changed his Simpsons page all over to Trump. That's how they get it. They lure you in and then they change their platform so they can start spreading their fucking message. That's horrible. It's fucking That's cheap. So bad. It's yeah, cheap. man. That's easy follows. That's bad, man. <laughs> That's a good, uh, it's a good, I mean, I get it. You work around the system, but it's just so weird. Like, I wonder how many people figured out then unfollow it. Yeah. Majority of my tweets when I tweet are just the most random shit that comes into my head. That's literally all it is. That's how I it's like too. literally all I'm thinking about. So there was one tweet I had because I love dad jokes and it was just, let's say hypothetically you're paying for your girlfriend's uh, plastic surgery. At that point, is it plastic surgery or cosmetic renovation? Thank you. Thank you. I'm here till Thursday. <laughs> I got, um, I put up a tweet joke and I always get them at like one o'clock in the morning. So they're, I don't know if they're really funny or if they hold up, but there was one where I was coming across how many people have like their name and then in their profile name, they have their name and then they have like something after it, like wear your mask or get a shot or whatever. They always have to include that shit into it. Well, someone I came across, it said their name. So it said blank. And then it said is standing for, and I'm like, I put up a joke. I was like, if you say your name and then also in your profile name, say is standing for after it. I'm glad you included it in your fucking name because I check your profile and you have a picture of a coffee mug and a book. I'm glad because you have it in your name because I couldn't tell by looking through your fucking profile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Nah. They're, they're classic jokes. Yeah. Twitter is the wild west. They point out the flaws of society. <laughs> Well, that's what comedy is meant to do. They're meant to be put the mirror onto the society or world. To quote uh, episode of Courage the Cowardly Dog, life is full of imperfections, but that's the beauty in it. Very true. It's the eel from Very the true. bathtub. I haven't watched Courage the Cowardly Dog in so long. I need to. It's a good show. Yeah. I, I just quoted like, I was saying I'm like Eustace from Courage the Cowardly Dog now, but back in the day I used to be Muriel. <laughs> so filled with love and then you get older and the world beats you down into nothing all right stupid dog you made me look bad 